0: To voices for local or mayor Humanisha Singh katyal My guest today is someone who is truly passionate about the brand that she has created and we in turn are truly inspired by her. She has managed to successfully take waste to the runway and her brand is cancelled plans and we are in conversation with its founder Malika Reddy. Hi, Malika. Thank you for being a part of Voices for Local. I'm looking forward to a conversation.
1: Thank you so much for having me. Lovely to connect with you.
0: You know, Malika, I want to know from you that you started off studying architecture and now are a founder of a successful, sustainable fashion brand. What made you decide to switch careers?
1: I think a good clue will be the name of my brand itself, which is Canceled Plans. I think oftentimes, you know, we set out with these goals as kids and dreams that we have based on the little exposure that we have, that as you go along, you learn more, you discover more, you want to do different things. So I think something like that happened with me as well. I was very keen to do architecture. It was very interesting. And then, you know, somehow during my college education itself, I kind of felt, okay, maybe this is not really for me. It sounds nice and dreamy until you get down to start doing it. And then I did love my education in architecture. It taught me so much. It taught me how to think. He taught me how to imagine a lot of different things. So I'm very grateful for that. But I think like in college, while I started doing it, I said, okay, I want to do something creative, but maybe not so math intensive and so physics intensive. So I think I've always been more on the creative, conceptually inclined. And then I tried a bunch of different stuff. I honestly don't think that anyone should just pursue the one thing that they start off with. So I think like I discovered and found many paths, which kind of led me here. And I did do some branding, I was working in branding, I worked at a healthcare company. So I tried different things. And I genuinely feel that like sometimes cancelled plans lead to the best outcomes.
0: (laughs) True. No, because your brand is truly inspiring. And I like the name cancelled plans, because it's just such a unique name. And like you said, it's about cancelled plans, and you come up with something totally different. So is that the reason why you decided to call the brand cancelled plans?
1: Multiple reasons. There was actually this one John Lennon quote that really inspired me, which was, Life is what happens when you're busy making plans. So that kind of hit me and said, You know, what if we cancel those plans and we don't have to be so rigid with ourselves or with the ideas that we put on ourselves and we try canceling those plans to do something different and not hold ourselves so strictly accountable to those? And also, in terms of like the story of what the brand is, we collect waste from factories which usually typically end up in the oceans or landfills, so we said you know let's cancel those plans let's cancel the plans that these go straight into the dump let's see if we can give them a new life we can give them a second life and like create something even better because you know often the materials we work with are very high quality so like sometimes they just go to the waste without even serving any purpose at all.
0: Exactly. You know, so you do use a lot of unconventional materials, like, you know, right from socks, t-shirts, sweatshirts, to masks and even to condoms. Working with materials like foil, plastic, they obviously must have required a lot of experimentation and as well as some trial and error. What is your process from waste to the runway?
1: I think the process is kind of saying that, you know, anything can become anything. So let's not limit ourselves And we do kind of start from that very open-ended kind of explorationary phase where we say, let's see if we can create a surface, maybe we can create a texture. It starts almost as primitively as that. And then that kind of evolves into, okay, now that we've come up with something, how do we make it usable? It's very free form. It's very intuitive. It's very, you know, you feel and touch and play with the materials and honestly, most of the times the materials tell us what to do. So it's in that sense, we're very kind of open to experimenting, trying out different techniques. I'll see, you know, anything. And then I'll see. wait, can we maybe make that with waste? Or can we maybe try creating something that nobody's ever seen or something that everyone has seen?
0: Nobody actually knows that you can create it out of waste as well.
1: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So, yeah, I mean, we don't have a very strict process. But
0: tell me some of the interesting things that you've created out of waste, which are completely on the spur of the moment that you decided, you know, this is what the fabric looks like. Let's try and experiment and create something different.
1: I think the one that usually kind of takes everyone a little bit by surprise and also for us, it's like our headliner. It's our most controversial. It's the material that we made out of the condoms. I think, you know, we visited a factory which is close to Hyderabad, about 30 kilometers away. We do try to work with factories that are close by as well so that, you know, transport and things like that also are taken into account. And we just went there with an open mind. You know, it was just kind of like, we'll go to any factory and we'll find some waste or the other. And so we did go to this factory and then we thought maybe we'll maybe use their packaging, we'll use their cartons, we'll use their tape. But then we were like, what if we use the actual condoms? Because about... 8-10% 8-10% to 10% of every batch is defected and they have holes in them and you obviously don't want condoms with holes of getting course. into the market because there is a lot of counterfeiting and things like that. So we said okay this is there and I said okay so typically what happens to these defected condoms and they usually like melt it down and become the soles of chappals or sometimes become like go into tire making if they were reused. So then we said, you know, let's maybe not downcycle them and decrease the value. But how can we like increase the value and make them like really cool? So we started using like embroidery and trying to make flowers out of them. And then we saw that it was like looking very like delicate and luxury and all of that. And we were like, this is really cool. And that's, I think, one of the most fun stuff that we've done. We also, you know, we tried doing many different things. They've like melted, some of them shredded, some of them tore. So we did a lot of experimenting. But I think what we came up with, I think was something completely unexpected. I didn't go into the factory thinking we'd come out with it. And I'm really quite happy with how that kind of and then we made a jacket out of it.
0: Very impressive.
1: Thank you. Thank you. You know, you
0: employ a lot of local artisans with a background in Indian textile. Yeah. What are some of the benefits and challenges that you've encountered when working with them?
1: So I think maybe let me start with the challenges because I think there have fewer challenges and more benefits. So in terms of challenges, I think the one thing that we struggle with and like I personally have gone to so many artisans and said, you know, why don't you try this? They've never seen this. They don't know what it is. They're kind of like, I don't know if it'll work. And it also for them takes a lot of time to, to adapt. get used to a new material to adapt. Yeah. And you know, On first blush, I mean, if someone came to me and said, you know, weave this out of like tablet blisters, I would be like, are you crazy? So I think, I mean, it's valid where they're coming from. So I think a lot of the challenge comes in convincing them to like try stuff. And, you know, oftentimes they have to put a pause on something else that they're doing because that is like, for example, like a loom setup. There is a traditional loom setup. They have to change everything. And they have to give this a go and they have to kind of believe in it. So kind of getting them on our side, I think, would be the biggest challenge.
0: I think it's the fear of the unknown. It's unconventional. Exactly. This is not their comfort zone. So just adapting and getting them on board, I can well imagine it's something new for them as well.
1: Exactly, exactly. So there is that apprehension of, like, I don't know if this will work. So, you know, it kind of, we have to do tell them it's like, it doesn't have to work. It's fine. There's no pressure on you to make it work. Let's just try something. If it works, it works. If it doesn't, that's okay too. We tried something. So, not everyone is kind of always up for that. But we've been really lucky to have artisans that we work with who said that, like, okay, let's try it. Like, what do we have to lose? And then coming on to the benefits. There are so many because, you know, I think for us as part of our culture, part of our heritage, we have so much craft, which is so deeply embedded which is also like it's not something that's come in the past 10 years 20 years 50 years it's been there for hundreds Hundreds of years and and it has evolved so much the skill is so fine this is like you know passed down over generations so I feel like definitely in terms of like the quality of craft we're so lucky to be in a country like India which is so rich especially in textiles
0: and every few miles there's a new weave there's a new art form and, you know, I think it's just so empowering to be able to, you know, give them that work to be able to curate some of it, because I think, you know, most of these artisans are looking for getting more work.
1: Absolutely. And, you know, there are situations where even I've seen where, you know, maybe there's this weaving tradition in six generations of the family, but now the son is probably going to visit a construction site. He's a extremely skilled worker, but he's being forced to do unskilled work which is I think absolutely unfair and with kind of urbanization modernization and all of that I think also the aesthetic has shifted a little bit so I think what we were also trying to explore with the artisans is how can we bring that contemporary aesthetic using our traditional skills because for me the valuable thing is the skill because aesthetic can be molded can be changed can be played with but the skill is really really hard to transfer and I really feel like we should be super appreciative of the skill these people bring and you know it comes so naturally to them we also have worked with some embroiders in Charminar in Hyderabad and they're so creative because you know they've done it all they've seen it they've tried different techniques so the minute that we introduce a new material the embroiderer will give me ideas and he will tell me that, you know, we should try this, we should do this, this will look good, this will be stable. So, you know, I think they have the wealth of knowledge. Wealth of knowledge passed down generations. Exactly, exactly. And they have like magic in their hands.
0: Absolutely. And, you know, we interview so many brands and one common thing that comes across in all our interviews is the fact that this is a dying profession. Yeah. Because like you said, the seventh generation is forced to do unskilled work because of the monies that they make because you know they don't see growth in that profession it's to do with changing times it's to do with machine made versus handmade it's to do with pricing multiple issues but we're really really losing out on so many art forms that we are so enriched with as a country
1: absolutely it's really like you know we've been blessed with so much And I think in certain people's mind, there is a view of what sustainability is, there is a view of what tradition is, and they might feel it's not for them. So I think for us, it was important that like, we try out things and say, you know, tradition can be this as well. It can be a sweatshirt as well. So, you know, it's kind of like, I think a little bit of our responsibility as brands to kind of revive this.
0: To be at least able to spread awareness and contemporize the old form into today but not let go of the old form. Yeah,
1: absolutely. You
0: know, you have many collections where you worked very closely with similarly focused designers, but with different inspirations. Can you share with my listeners some of the experiences of working with them?
1: Absolutely. So for me, I think, right from the get-go of the brand, I did decide that, you know, Collaboration is going to be a big part of who we are because you know, I can look at a pile of waste and I say, Maybe we can make this. Maybe you'll look at it and you'll tell me, Let's try this. So, I really feel like we stumbled upon these materials that lend themselves so differently to different people and different perspectives. So, I was keen to bring in voices like that to work with. And I've been very lucky to have kind of very diverse people I've worked with actually. Like, there is a bridal wear designer called Aisha Rao who works with a lot of like applique she uses upcycle textiles to make her bridal wear as well so we had that in common and we really hit it off and then we are kind of a streetwear brand and she's a bridal designer so I think we've kind of but what a great synergy married that in an interesting way and I think that's the kind of point that we were trying to make both her and me as well is that you know creativity will expand it's a spectrum it's not that we're not competitors But we come together so well and we shared ideas. It was such a great working experience. And this was actually something that we did during the lockdown. So it was kind of little challenges here and there with getting people and stuff like that. But it was a great collaboration. We also did work with Aditi Rao Haidri, who is a good friend of mine. And she was here in the lockdown. And we said, let's. it was just kind of me and her working on stuff, putting things together. And it was almost like, a home project like a project that we did in our summer holidays and we were able to kind of bring that to life and we kind of brought in her personality into our stuff because like our own brand we try to keep it a little bit neutral and bring in the voice of the collaborator because we like to kind of form that foundation for the people that we collaborate with that was super fun, that got us a lot of visibility. So that was really nice. No, but I
0: do feel like you said, it's a world of collaborations. So you know, the more you collaborate, what you'll end up actually doing more than anything is building awareness to a larger community.
1: Absolutely, absolutely. And we also did collaborate with a musician. So we have kind of, you know, we have a broad spectrum of people that we did collaborate with. And I really, really believe that For any brand to grow, collaboration is super important because how much can you listen to your own voice? You want to also learn, you want to grow, you want to... Have different
0: perspectives.
1: Absolutely, Yeah. yeah.
0: So, you know, your brand is centered around sustainability, which is an important focus in the fashion scene overall. I want you to tell my listeners and other brands on how you think other brands can be more environmentally conscious while keeping their costs in check?
1: Oh, that's a very difficult question. And I think especially in a country like ours, it's a very difficult thing to achieve. So maybe I'll break it up into parts and say that, okay, let's talk about like the environment first and then we'll talk about the costs. costs. Correct. So I think something that I have noticed in our business and in fashion, especially there is an issue of creating excess. There is always more inventory than people are buying. There is this kind of need to keep making things. I think maybe the first thing that we can try as brands is to kind of have some kind of predictability on that. Try not to create the excess because, you know, however sustainable you are, you use water, you use electricity, you use power, you use all of these things which do contribute towards the environment. Obviously, using natural materials is great because they do degrade they do kind of have a shelf life I think also upcycling can be kind of a lot more like even for us within our own brand like when we do have waste we kind of bring it back and we are a brand that purely works with waste so for us maybe it's a little bit easier but we do try to upcycle the waste that we create ourselves So I think kind of even, I mean, just starting off in terms of awareness, just to see how much is getting produced, what is the excess, what is the waste. Just knowing that, I think, brings a lot of consciousness. And I think especially, you know, right now, sustainability is a hot new word. Everyone loves to use it. There's a lot of greenwashing going on, which helps you market your product. But I think, you know, we are already seeing the impact of the climate crisis. It's only getting worse. Fashion is the one of the most if not the most polluting industries so I think just kind of taking that not as a scary doomsday thing but like saying that okay this is the most polluting industry this is an opportunity for everyone to kind of see how we can do things differently no
0: we are seeing climate change around us all the time now climate change is in our face so I think if we can just take stock of the situation today and do small things which will go a long way
1: Absolutely, absolutely. I think also that kind of correlating the two, I think a lot of people don't do that either. Because when you're shopping, you're buying yourself something, you're looking at that, but you're not definitely correlating to what is happening in the environment. So I think, you know, there are so many practices for brands to do just in terms of cutting down their carbon footprint, because it is in general, I would say, avoid kind of mass production of products. I mean, I can say this as a sustainable brand. I don't know how feasible it is and stuff like that. But I mean, this is a very long conversation. We can go in many, many directions about this. But how do
0: we keep the cost low so that people buy? That's the other challenging question for you.
1: Yeah, that is the real challenging question. And I think that, you know, when people start appreciating what the sustainable option is versus the unsustainable option, because, you know, the mass produced products are of made of very low grade materials which are like easily flammable the polyesters and all of that it's harsh on the skin so you know I think it starts with kind of the education that you don't need to have five polyester tops you can maybe have one pure cotton top and this I think this idea of a cost which is also like this is a little bit far-fetched but I think if we can somehow kind of make re-wearing more acceptable and celebrated people wouldn't have this need to constantly like you know get something new so i think that like you know the cost kind of balance is out there when you buy less but you buy things that will last you 10 years 20 years like my mother wears a lot of hand loom saris and i've seen her wear the same stuff for the past 30 years and, and they still look as elegant condition. Exactly. They
0: never go out of fashion. I'm a firm believer of buying something that's handmade versus machine made. Absolutely. Because I come from the thought that the moment you buy something handmade, you're actually not just supporting a person, you're actually supporting a family.
1: And you're celebrating a craft which would be dying otherwise. Absolutely. Also, I think people need to understand the appreciation. And I don't think we can ever make the argument that buying something sustainable will be low cost because I think people deserve fair wages they should live in good health conditions and we cannot compete with the sweatshops of the world who are forcing child labor who are kind of irresponsible about the people that work for them so I definitely myself have struggled with kind of this question of how do we bring prices down But the answer is that we don't. We level up because, you know, you see across the economy and every other sector, everything else, prices are going up and they're going up for a reason. And people should understand what they're paying for. And I think they should be taking it a bit more seriously to understand this is worth the money that I'm paying for. I would say it's not a cost thing, it's a worth thing. So people need to have the appreciation for the sustainable goods. And, you know, when sustainability is encouraged, and we can then do it at scale, the cost cost will will come come down down eventually. But we have to start seeing that we cannot compete with fast fashion. Absolutely. And And we and we shouldn't.
0: We shouldn't. Absolutely. But tell me what is the one milestone that you have recently hit that you're excited about? And what is the one milestone that you're looking forward to achieving soon?
1: So actually, you know, one milestone, I would say we recently hit, it's kind of that we are changing gears a little bit in terms of how we do things I think you know with the pandemic we were kind of forced to downsize we were just me and one other person in our team we were kind of trying to sell the products that we've already made because I firmly believe that we are not going to do a next collection until we finish selling out our previous collections because we don't want to kind of create that excess so we are on the verge of finishing that so That is kind of a good milestone. I think in two weeks time, we should be kind of closing that out. And we're going to be doing some new exciting things after that. And so it's kind of an answer to both. The next milestone will be a next collection. We are collaborating right now with different segment. Again, we're going into interiors and home decor. Lovely. So uh, we're going to be doing some furniture. We're going to be doing some upholstery. So that's going to be super exciting in a few months from now. We hope to launch that. Ideally, we want to be able to say that, you know, our material can extend anywhere that you can imagine that it will. So if we can make clothes and bags out of them, we can make furniture out of them. We can make absolutely a lot of interesting things. So I think I'm super excited to, I guess, launch our next collaboration with uh, an interiors-based...
0: So, well, I'm excited. I'm looking awesome. forward to it. On that note, if you were to name one homegrown local brand that you would like to recommend to be a part of Voices for Local, which brand would that be?
1: I mean, there's definitely a lot. I would say Malai is another cool brand. What is Malai? Malai is actually a very scientific-led sustainable brand they are kind of creating a faux leather out of coconut water that's gotten stale so i would definitely encourage you to kind of visit them
0: sounds exciting they're based
1: in kerala where they have a lot of waste from coconut so they're kind of like re-engineering that into a textile again that'll disintegrate into the earth very very cool innovative stuff
0: i think that's interesting definitely we would love to have them on the show but on that note, thank you so much, Malika. It's been such a pleasure talking to you. And for me, it's actually been such a learning, you know, and I really encourage my listeners and to everyone saying, please buy sustainable. Please be a little more environmentally conscious. And Thode paise zyada dene but you'll actually be you know saving the planet in the long run.
1: It's, you know, you'll be penny wise pound foolish when you kind of walk the other way, but you will see with almost every sustainable product, they last forever.
0: <laughs> Absolutely. But thank you. Thank you so much, Malika. This has been a real pleasure.
1: Thank you so much for having me. It was lovely speaking to you today.
0: Thank you for choosing to be a part of this show, Malika, and wishing you all the best. To all my listeners, write in to me with your suggestions, names of brands that you would like to see get featured, and connect with me on my Instagram, at Monisha Singh Katyal. And please do follow at Voices for Local on Instagram to know more about your favorite local brands. Until next time, check out cancelled plans online, fall in love with their products and do order some. Happy shopping!